Engaging sermons on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. A reading from the book of Sirach. The Lord is a God of justice who knows no favorites. Though not unduly partial toward the weak, yet he hears the cry of the oppressed. The Lord is not deaf to the wail of the orphan, nor to the widow when she pours out her complaint. The one who serves God willingly is heard. His petition reaches the heavens. The prayer of the lowly pierces the clouds. It does not rest till it reaches its goal, nor will it withdraw till the Most High responds, judges justly, and affirms the right, and the Lord will not delay. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall ever be in my mouth. Let my soul glory in the Lord. The lowly will hear me and be glad. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. The Lord confronts the evildoers to destroy remembrance of them from the earth. When the just cry out, the Lord hears them, and from all their distress He rescues them. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted, and those who are crushed in spirit He saves. The Lord redeems the lives of His servants. No one incurs guilt who takes refuge in Him. The Lord hears the cry of the poor. A reading from the second letter of St. Paul to Timothy. Beloved, I am already being poured out like a libation, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have competed well, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. From now on, the crown of righteousness awaits me, which the Lord, the just judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but to all who have longed for his appearance. At my first defense, no one appeared on my behalf, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood by me and gave me strength, so that through me the proclamation might be completed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil threat and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and entrusting to us the message of salvation. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia. 
The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus addressed this parable to those who were convinced of their own righteousness and despised everyone else. Two people went up to the temple area to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee took up his position and spoke this prayer to himself. O God, I thank you that I am not like the rest of humanity, greedy, dishonest, adulterous, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week, and I pay tithes on my whole income. But the tax collector stood off at a distance and would not even raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast and prayed, O God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, the latter went home justified, not the former. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. He humbled himself. Three of the most important words of Scripture which summarize the gospel. What did Jesus Christ, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, as we will proclaim in the creed, what did he do? This almighty God who had glory from all eternity with the Father, who is equal to the Father in every way, this Almighty God humbled Himself, became one of us, became lowly. And as if that weren't enough, that He would take upon Himself our lowly human nature, He humbled Himself further, obediently accepting even death, death on a cross, being counted with criminals. Paul, of course, sings the hymn, in Philippians chapter 2, of this emptying of God. Jesus symbolized it, by the way, at the Last Supper. Remember when he went to wash the feet of his disciples and he took off his robe, his cloak, and wrapped an apron around himself and began to wash the feet of the apostles. This rising up from the table, taking off the garment, Putting on the apron can be seen as a symbol of his entire incarnation and passion. Rising from his heavenly throne, coming to us, divesting himself of the external glory. Of course, God can never make himself not God, so he was always God. He always had his full glory of divinity, but took off the appearance of it, wrapped himself in our humanity, and then the pouring of the water into the basin, symbolizing the pouring out of his own blood on the cross, washing us. Scripture says we are washed by the blood of the Lamb. He humbled himself. I have come not to be served, but to serve. And how does he serve? Again, it's not just some kind of horizontal, let's do good, social justice kind of idea. He served by giving his life as a ransom, ransoming us from the kingdom of 
sin, death, and hell, and Satan, making us into a new humanity, exalting us. Paul says Jesus humbled himself, and therefore God, the Father, highly exalted him in the resurrection. In fact, in St. John's Gospel, when we read Jesus predicting his passion and going through his passion, John identifies that as the moment of glory. In the eyes of the world, it's a moment of shame and, and defeat, but in reality, it's the glory of God manifesting itself because it's the power of love. And remember, Jesus said, I have the power to lay down my life and the power to take it up again. The power to lay it down. The glory, the power of love by which we humble ourselves. What he has done, so must we do. And that's where we find exaltation. God exalts us. God lifts us up. We try to exalt ourselves, but we have to humble ourselves. I remember one day in seminary, by the way, the deacon proclaimed this gospel passage, and at the end of it, everybody started to laugh. And he, and he looked around and said, well, why is everybody laughing? Because he didn't realize he had mispronounced the last word, and he said, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exhausted. Well, it was funny, but, you know, it's true. It is exhausting. It's hard work. It's daily work. It's daily repentance. It's daily taking the role of that tax collector beating his breast. We examine our conscience every day, don't we? We take what we have done or what we have failed to do, and we put it under the light of God's Word, under the light of His Spirit who convicts us of sin, and we humble ourselves. Tax collectors, by the way, you see what Jesus is doing here. They were despised. First of all, they were working for the foreign, the foreign entity that was uh, ruling over the people. And secondly, they were, uh, they were dishonest. People didn't know how much, how, what was the amount that the government was asking the tax collectors to collect. They didn't know. So the tax collectors took, the, took it upon themselves to demand as much as they wanted to, and then, of course, they could keep whatever they wanted to. But that tax collector humbled himself. We try to exalt ourselves. Look at the, look at the, 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 in the book of Genesis, the Tower of Babel. Let us build a tower reaching up to the heavens. No, now God calls us to work. He calls us to create things. Only he can create things out of nothing, but we take what he has made and we make it into other things. And so to be productive, to work hard, this is not what God is, 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 is speaking against by any means. But it was the attitude of pride. Let us build a tower to exalt ourselves and they were forgetting about God. We will become like God. It was part of the original sin. Remember earlier than that, when Satan tempted our first parents, he said, no, 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 you can be like God, knowing good and evil. And it didn't mean just to know. It meant to decide. You can determine good and evil. You can be God. Well, let's exalt ourselves. And God stopped that project of the Tower of Babel 
by confusing the language so they could no longer understand each other and they couldn't complete the project. Now that was undone by the spirit of Pentecost by which the apostles preaching the gospel were understood by people in all different languages. The reversal of that. Why? Because it's the Holy Spirit who then gives us the power to humble ourselves and to realize that only God is on the throne. He wants us to be with Him on the throne. But we don't get there by exalting ourselves, but rather by humbling ourselves. It's the paradox of the Christian message of the cross. Now, we see the effort to exalt ourselves in other places of Scripture. In fact, in Isaiah, there's a powerful passage where he's berating the king of Babylon for his pride, and he calls him Lucifer. He says, how you have fallen from the heavens, O Lucifer. Why? And he, he reveals here the, the thinking of the devil. Just like Paul, as I quoted from Philippians, about Jesus emptying himself, humbling himself, becoming obedient even unto death, and then God exalted him. That reveals, that passage, that was an early Christian hymn, reveals the thinking of the Holy One. The thinking of Christ, and we have to adopt the mind of Christ. But what's the thinking of the evil one? So Isaiah 14, you said in your heart, I will exalt myself to the skies. I will sit on the throne. I will be like the Most High. Now again, God wants us to be like Him, but it is His action. I will be like the Most High. No, I will exalt myself. Oh, this is Lucifer. This is the thinking of the evil one. This is the road to damnation. I will exalt myself. It's the road to chaos. It's the road to the destruction of society. And we see it, friends, in every sin. Every sin is an exaltation of ourselves, an effort to do so, a misguided very unwise effort to do so. Why? Because we're replacing God's will with ours. Somehow thinking that our calculation about what is going to fulfill us, what's going to make us happy, and what's going to do good is somehow more accurate than God's. God shows us the way to be happy. And we come up with our own idea. And it always fails. It does not fulfill. God made us. He knows what's going to fulfill us. And His commands do not bring us oppression or distress. His commands are what bring us freedom and joy and fulfillment. Brothers and sisters, the sin by which we say we can decide who lives and dies, is the worst form of this self-exaltation. And it's reflected, isn't it, when people say the term pro-choice. Because think, of what, think about what it's saying for a moment. Pro-what? Pro-choice. My choice, my will, I will be like the Most High. I will decide. I will decide. This is what the sick promoters of abortion in our world are always saying. Oh, well, well we, we trust the women to decide. It's not a matter of trusting women. 
Do you trust women that they're not going to abuse their children? Do you or don't you? If you do, does that mean we get rid of laws against child abuse? Do you trust women not to go through the intersection while you're trying to come the other way? Do you trust them or not? Does that mean we get rid of red lights? Come on. I mean, the people, I'm telling you, there is nobody in our world more sick than the people who promote this, this pro-abortion ideology. No, nobody, nobody. Nobody more wrong, nobody more sick. Nobody more dangerous. But think about it again. He who, Jesus says, he who exalts himself will be humbled. My rights, my body, my choice, my, 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 my will. I exalt myself. Yeah. That's what leads to all kinds of destruction. And brothers and sisters, that's what also is expressed in what we are calling these days the woke culture. This again is a, dis is a deeply diseased mindset. And we don't fully yet, even as a church, appreciate the depths of this threat and of this error. What we're dealing with, and, and you know, they latch on to, to racism, and this is where you get critical race theory, but critical race theory is a part of a broader umbrella of critical theory as it's called, basically it's saying, it's a, basically it's an application of Marxist ideology. And basically it's saying to us, you know, you are um, all oppressors and uh, various groups, on the other hand, are being oppressed. And the oppressors and the oppressed in this, in this woke ideology, you know, just follow me for a moment, in, according to this woke thinking, the oppressors and the oppressed can't help themselves. In other words, they'll look at someone like me, white, man, religious person, and they'll say, well, you know, you're, you're, you're an oppressor, and you're racist. And I'll say, well, no, I don't think I am. I don't want to be. I'm trying. I'm examining my conscience, like we said before. I'm trying to be like the, you know, the humble uh, tax collector here every day. I mean, we begin the Mass by saying publicly that we're sinners. No, 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 no. You're an oppressor. And it's like they, it's not a matter of rejecting racism. It's a matter of simply uh, pointing it out. In other words, they're, they're not saying to me, repent of your racism. They're saying, recognize it and realize that that's the way it is. In other words, you are part, they're not looking at me as a person, as an individual who chooses either to be following the path of virtue or following the path of sin. And if I follow the path of, path of sin and I realize I did something wrong, then I can repent. They're not looking at it that way. It has nothing to do with the individual. You're part of a group. You're part of that white male oppressive group. You see? It's the group identity. On the other hand, somebody who is, um, let's say a black woman who is uh, gay, transgender, uh, oh, well, 
you are, you are, you are oppressed. And, and she might turn around and say, well, I don't feel oppressed. I'm, you know, I'm working hard. I'm, you know, doing what I need to do for myself and my family. Oh, no, 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 but you're oppressed. You see, they're trying to impose on us this mindset of, and they're fostering division in society. These are the groups that are oppressing. These are the groups that are oppressed. That's the way it's always going to be. And they do this in order to try then to gain tyrannical control over what happens in society. The woke culture. It's a sick way of thinking. And they label everything as racist. Everything. Everything. Down to, you know, not just your, your, your happening to belong to a particular group, but even the idea that there is a right and wrong. Every, even the idea that there is, um, even, even um, the, the idea that there's anything true. Uh, you know, you hear them saying, I mean, we won't go too far out on this right now, but They'll say, they'll say mathematics is racist. Why? Well, because, you know, you're requiring students to, um, you know, to, to think that there's a right answer and a wrong answer. Well, yeah, there kind of is, but they don't see that. Oh, well, you know, if you insist there's a right answer and a wrong answer, you know, you're, you're, just, you're just reinforcing the, the white uh, supremacy that's been uh, in existence uh, for so many uh, centuries. This is sick. The gospel today and the scriptures I've shared with you here reinforce what the Lord says to all of this. It's the antidote. And that is, see, the tax collector was part of a group that was widely despised. They're working for the oppressors. The tax collectors are dishonest and greedy. And yet Jesus said, no, wait a second. This man was beating his breast and saying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. The personal responsibility is what counts. He turned to the Lord. He didn't want to go the path of sin. And so Jesus said, the tax collector, he's justified. They do him better than the Pharisees. See, now they thought, well, the group of, oh, the Pharisees, you know, they're, they're very observant, very observant of the law. No, 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 it's not the group. What are you choosing in the sight of God? Are you choosing to be holy? Are you choosing to follow His will? Are you repenting every day of sin? You can change, Jesus is saying. You must change. You are not a slave to the group that you are identified with in one or another way. You are not identified by that. You are not. Nobody is automatically an oppressor. Nobody is automatically oppressed. Our identity, our virtue, our sin, our eternal salvation, or our eternal damnation is not determined by the group we belong to. Enough of this woke nonsense. And stop imposing it on our children. These midterm elections, this is going to determine a lot of it. And people are going to throw out of office all the way from local school board up to the United States Senate all those who reinforce this woke, divisive ideology. Let us take to heart today those words of Jesus. He who humbles himself 
taking up the cross, as Jesus said, obeying His commands, following His Spirit, being united with His body by coming and receiving that body and receiving that Spirit, and letting that Spirit purify us of sin and give us the zeal to start anew every day, embracing the path of holiness and the way of Christian life, he will be exalted. He who exalts himself will be humbled. Let us be exalted in Christ today. Let us rejoice that he lifts us up to his very throne. Let us choose holiness. Let us continue the path of repentance. Let us say, Lord Jesus, I do humble myself. I embrace your cross, and in it I embrace life and salvation forever. Amen. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.